You're listening to the Van Moody Podcast. Our passion is transforming the world by transforming lives. In today's episode, we'll take a look at what prayer is, the power it holds, and why it is such an essential element of our faith. I want you to go to Luke 18, verse number one. It's 1118. I hear Holy Spirit and God said Luke 18, 1118 is Luke 18. Let me give you the context for this. Every year at Easter, on our Easter service, we do a special kind of response card for all of the decisions that people often make on Easter. And one of those um, opportunities that we give people on Easter is to fill out a survey. And, and the survey asks a number of questions. One of the things that the survey asks is, you know, what are some of the pressing subjects that you would love for me to teach? And uh, every year, you know, we get the results back and uh, either in our midweek service or on Sunday morning, we'll do this uh, survey says series. We've been doing it for a couple of years now where I teach uh, based on what you've requested. I need to hear more about this or teach me about this. And so I just want to take a few moments uh, and I want to talk about the power of prayer because uh, out of all of the responses that we got this year from the survey, one of the top responses, get this, was on the subject of prayer. One of the, one of the main things that you asked for me to teach on is prayer. We got, we got questions on the survey, kind of like, how can I pray more effectively? Would you teach on that, Pastor? Or, or how can I experience a more powerful prayer time in, in, in God's presence? You asked about that. Or, or how should I pray? Many of you asked about that. Or many of you even asked, you know, help me understand even the significance of prayer. Why is prayer important? And God is so awesome because we normally do this series during the month of August uh, and we observe two seasons of 21 days of prayer and fasting here at TWC. We do it in January, and then we also do it in August. And so today is our very first day of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And God is so awesome because out of all of the subjects that you all asked about, prayer was one of those top subjects. So just for a few moments, I want to I talk about, and I, I just feel led of the Holy Spirit. I don't need to give you all of it, but I do need to give you a couple of things. I want to talk about the power of prayer because I really believe that this is critical to what God wants to do over the next 21 days. Amen? Amen. Look with me very quickly at Luke chapter 18, verse number one. It says, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought, and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary, and for some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Jesus, after he tells this story, says, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus in this parable is teaching the disciples 
why we ought to pray. And from the very opening verse in this passage, the power and the significance of prayer is very clear. He says that he's teaching this parable to teach us, to teach the disciples that we ought always pray and never give up. And the inference is that when you pray, you won't give up. And by default, the other side of that coin is if you do not pray, you will be more likely to give up. And then he closes it by saying, when the Son of Man comes, will he find this faith on the earth? Meaning, he's looking for people that have the faith enough to pray. So Jesus is teaching this parable, and it's important that you are reminded of what a parable is. A parable is a fictitious story that conveys a deeper spiritual truth and message to it. This is why in the summer we do the At The Movie series. Because the dominant way that Jesus would teach during his earthly ministry was through stories, parables, stories that are fictitious but have a deeper spiritual meaning and message. And so this parable revolves really around three people. First of all, there is the judge. Somebody say the judge. The judge in this parable represents God and his power and his authority. The judge is the authority in the town in this parable, just like God is the real authority in our own lives. After the judge, there is the adversary. The adversary in this parable is a picture of Satan. In fact, that's what Satan's name means. The word Satan literally means the adversary. Just like this widow had an adversary, we have an adversary as well. The enemy wants to do nothing but steal, kill, and destroy There's the judge, there's the adversary, but then there's also the widow. The widow in this parable represents you and I. She represents the believer and the church. And Jesus calls her a widow for a reason because he he wants the hearers of this parable to understand that she has no one else there to help her but the judge. It's the same thing for us. Our real hope and our real help is only found in God. The songwriter said, my hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. But here's what I want you to pay attention to. Notice that in this parable, this widow brings her complaint to the judge first. She brings her issue to the judge first. Her first response is to bring our concern to the judge. And that's what Jesus wants us to see because this is the power of prayer. She goes to the judge first. Now, interestingly, there is a play in football named after a prayer. It's called the Hail Mary. And football teams will run this play, the Hail Mary, when they have exhausted every other opportunity when the clock is getting ready to expire and when they are down. And a Hail Mary is that, is that all of the receivers and backs, they go into the end zone and the quarterback just throws it into the end zone and prays that somebody on his team will come down with it. That's called the Hail Mary. Football teams only run a Hail Mary when there is nothing else that they can do. No more time. Plays have been exhausted. This is a last-ditch effort. And guess what it's called? A Hail Mary. Named after... The prayer of Mary and the greeting that Gabriel gives Mary when he meets her. I tell you that because that's how so many people approach prayer. After we have exhausted 
everything, after we've done everything we know to do, after we've exhausted all of our resources and all of our ingenuity and exhausted all of our connections when there is nothing left, that's when we pray. And that's the problem. Prayer should not be our last resort. Prayer ought to be our first response. Kind of the mantra that you, that you see at 6 a.m. prayer, and I hope that many of you will join us starting on tomorrow for, for, for the next three weeks, Monday through Friday. We'll be at 6 a.m. prayer on Saturdays, 9 a.m. But that mantra is pray first, pray first, because prayer ought to be our first response, not our last resort. resort. And because this widow brings her prayer, her, her issue, her complaint, her need to the judge first and consistently, the judge works it out for her. See, the main point that Jesus wants us to understand is that prayer is how this widow prevails. And likewise, prayer is how we are going to prevail as well. So really quickly, I want to give you two things. Because you've asked, you asked. That's why this series is called Survey Says. How do I pray more effectively? How, how do I have more powerful time with God? What is this notion of prayer all about? Help me understand it. Well, as you asked, let me give it to you very quickly. In order to have effective prayer time, in order to pray more effectively, spend more time with God, number one, you've got to understand that prayer is what God desires and responds to. Prayer is what God desires. And not only does he desire it, but he responds to it. And if you're really going to understand this, then you've got to go all the way back to the beginning in the Bible when prayer is first mentioned. That's in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 25. This is the first mention of prayer in the Bible, and in it, it says, And Adam made love to his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in the place of Abel since Cain killed him. And Seth also had a son and named him Enosh. And at that time, people began to what? To call on the name of the Lord. Now, why is this important? Because up until this point, People had only known God as creator. He created the heavens. He created the earth. He created the animals. He created the sun, the moon, the stars, the garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. Up until this point, people only knew God as creator. But things shift when Seth is born and people begin to call on the name of the Lord. As a matter of fact, the first name, the first name of, of the people of God were not Jews. The first name of God's people were not the nation of Israel. The first name of God's people were not even Hebrews. The first name of God's people were those folk who called on the name of the Lord. And I imagine that there were some very interesting conversations happening back then. You know, people saying, man, have you heard? Heard what? That if you call on God, he responds. What are you talking about? God is creator. Yeah, he's creator, but, but no, no, no. We figured something out. He's more than just creator. He cares, and if you call on him, he will respond, and he will act. Why does God respond? Why does he need and desire and respond to prayer? Because prayer is communication with God. That's the reason he responds when we pray. Because we were created to be in communion with him. That's what he created with Adam and Eve before sin entered the world. They, they, they didn't have any blockages. They had clear lines of communication with God. 
That's, that's what we were created to have, to walk in communion with him. And so, and so he responds when we pray because prayer is communication. What kind of relationship would you have with someone that you never spoke to? But not only is prayer communication, we communicate something when we pray. What we communicate is that we are dependent on God. That's, that, that's why God desires it. That's why he responds. Because when we pray, what we're literally saying is, God, I cannot do this without you. I cannot make it apart from you. God, I, I need you. I, I got to have you. I, I, can't, I can't even run my day without you. I cannot enter this meeting apart from you. I don't understand what to do unless you tell me to do it. Can I tell you something? As a matter of fact, anything that you don't pray about, you're literally saying to God, I got it. I don't need your help with this. So when the Bible, starting in Genesis chapter 4 and all through the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, when the Bible says this phrase, they, they called on the name of the Lord. Here's what this phrase means. It means to cry out. When, when the Bible says they, they, they called on the name of the Lord, that phrase means to cry out. It means, it means to implore aid. God, I got to have you. God, I need you. That's what it means. That's what real prayer is. Not, oh, Father God, thank you for this food that we are about to receive. Make it nourishment into our bodies for Christ's sake. Amen. Pass the chicken. No, 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 no. That's not prayer. Real prayer, the prayer that touches the heart of God is when you cry out. When you implore, he say, God, I, if, I, if you don't show up, I don't know what I'm going to do. I cannot make it. I can't stand on this stage. I can't open my mouth. I can't drive this car. God, I need you. We, we have a five-month-old puppy at home. His name is Teddy, and, and we've been house training him, and he's, he's, he looks like a teddy bear, so we call him Teddy. And, and what I've learned is that when he's good, he won't say anything. And he's just lying around the house, just chilling. He doesn't need anything. He's quiet. I mean, just a great, great dog. But when he needs us, he begins to cry out. That's what he says. At 5 a.m. when it's time for him to go out, you'll hear Now, if we don't move fast enough, then he takes it up a notch. He goes from the roof, roof. Roof, roof. It's like I've been trying to get y'all attention in a nice way. But since you're not moving quick enough, I got to go. I'm hungry. I need to go out to eat or whatever you got. Get me out this cage. I got to go out. I got to do my business. When he needs us, guess what he does? He cries out. That's the same thing that God is listening for. When, when we need him, we ought to cry out to him. One theologian once said that the best style of prayer is that which cannot be called anything else but a cry. This is what God invites us to do all through the Bible. Cry out to him. Cry out to him. 
Open your mouth and cry out to him. Jeremiah 33 and 3, he, he literally says, call unto me. That means to cry out to me. It, implore that you need me. He says, and I will answer you. And not only will I answer you, but I will tell you great and mighty things that you, not know, that you know not of. One translation says, and I'll tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. God is not aloof. God is not disconnected. God is not sitting up in heaven twiddling his thumbs. He has promised us from the beginning of the Bible on through the end that if we need him cry out to him and he's right there when we don't know what to do cry out to him and he will come to our rescue when we're when we're at a crossroads and we need direction to cry out from him and he'll give us direction when we are at our wits end if we would open our mouths and cry out to him then he will show up and move when we need him to turn things around cry out to him and he will turn things around this is even why Moses says what he says in Deuteronomy 4 I love it Moses says let me tell you something Moses says, what other nation is so great as to have their gods near to them the way that God is near to us when we pray? Moses is saying to the people, listen, the other nations that you may see on this journey as we get into the promised land, yes, they may have better weapons. Yes, they may have better chariots, but they don't have what we have. And what we have is a trump card. I know that if we would open our mouths and pray, Call unto God that he will respond and he will help us. This is why, listen to me, Satan's main strategy from the beginning of time to now has been to convince you and I not to talk to God. Let's go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. What, what, what did he say to Adam? Uh, yeah, see, God don't want you to eat from this tree because he knows that when you eat, like, eat from this tree, you're going to be like him. Don't, don't worry about what God said. Don't listen to that. Do your own thing from the very beginning of time up until this very moment. That's been his main strategy. He's been trying to convince you and I that we do not need to pray. You don't need to pray. You got this. It ain't that deep. You can work this out on your own. Oh, you've been to school. You've been around long enough. You've been in the church long. You don't need to pray in that big deal. 6 a.m. Who got to get up at 6 a.m.? Get your sleep. You need your rest now. You can't be productive unless you get your rest. You don't need to bother God with that stuff. You got it. You, you know how to handle this. It's been his main strategy to get you and I to not pray, to not talk to God. That's been his main strategy. Let me share this with you. I'm, I'm not giving all of it to you, so media team, follow along with me. I'm going to skip ahead. Let me tell you how God defines wickedness in Psalm 14. Psalm 14 and verse 4, they'll find it. In Psalm verse 14 and verse, chapter 14 and verse 4, here's how God defines wickedness. This is why prayer is so important. It says, do all these evildoers know nothing? They devour my people as though eating bread. Watch this. They never call on the Lord. I want you to understand that, that I know that you've categorized wickedness and evildoers and you think, oh, if they do this, they're wicked or evil. If they do this, they're wicked and evil. God says, whoa, second, wait, hold on, hold on. Let me tell you who else is evil. One translation says wicked, those who don't call on the name of the Lord, those who don't pray. Why? Because when you are self-sufficient, you behave more like Satan. Satan was the archangel of worship. 
And he decided that instead of giving God worship, instead of, instead of exalting God and, 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 and giving glory to him, that he wanted it himself. He, instead of saying, God, all glory belongs to you, he said, no, I got this thing. I'm, I'm good. God says, let me tell you what evildoers look like. It's those who don't call on the name of the Lord. The main thing, listen, church, that God wants is our attention. God. That's why prayer and worship are so powerful because what God wants more than anything else is he wants our attention. He wants our focus on him. And that's what prayer does. In fact, God promises all through scripture. I want to show you a couple of things. He promises that if we call unto him, if we focus on him, he will show up in Acts 2 and verse 21. He says, and everybody who does what? Calls on the name of the Lord will what? Be saved. And I know many people think, oh, that's just... That's just, you know, that's e eternity that we're talking about. Wait a second. The same way that we are saved eternally is the same way that God will save us presently. You, you, we are saved eternally because we call on the name of the Lord, because we confess. If you believe in your heart and, and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that's calling on him. God, I can't make it without you. I can't do life without you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. The same way that we are saved eternally is the same way that God will save us presently, meaning in your marriage, meaning in this struggle that you currently face. you got to open your mouth and say, God, I need you. I cannot make it without you. And he promises that if you call on the name of the Lord, he says you will be saved. What do you need to be calling on the name of the Lord for over the next 21 days? And, and he, here's, let me take it a step further. In Psalm 50, in verse 15, this is, this is not the polished message, but, but I want you to get this. In Psalm 50, in verse 15, God takes it a step further and he says, Call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. But he doesn't stop there. He says, and you will honor me. God says, I am honored when you are in trouble, and instead of trying to take matters into your own hands, you start calling out to me, Father, I need you right now. He says, you, not only will I deliver you, he says, but, but you honor me. You, you, you honor me by, by praying and calling unto me. So you got to know, number one, prayer is what God desires. It's what he responds to. But I just blew through that really quickly because... I want to get here. Lastly and finally, prayer is what we ought to depend on and commit to. Your life ought to be built on prayer. I long for a day when our, when our prayer and worship services are larger than any experience we have on Sunday. The Lord has shown me very clearly that when we as a corporate church really lean into calling on the name of the Lord. Things are getting ready to break out and will happen that will not only answer prayer, but will shift this entire city, this state, and this nation. I, 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 really, I really sense that from the Lord. And I know it's, it's weird sometimes if you come from traditional church backgrounds like I did. But I want you to understand, it's, it's been here in Scripture the whole time. That's what prayer is, is to call on Him, to cry out to Him. And your whole life ought to be based on that. It ought to be built on that. And we ought to commit to it. And so you ask, how do I pray more effectively? How do I have a more effective time of prayer with God? I want to give you some practical steps, and then we're going to transition just a second. Number one, set an appointment. 
set an appointment. Number one, set an appointment. Do you have a set-aside time to pray and be with God daily? This is why Monday through Friday, we're at all of our campuses at 6 a.m. You can log on if you can't physically get here and worship with us via our online campus. But let me ask you something. Do you have a set time? Now, what's interesting is that many of us, we say, man, I'm so busy. Oh, man, I'm so busy. But at the same time, we're saying, God, I need you. I want you. If you want a powerful prayer time with God, this is what you ask. How do I do it? It starts by you settling a time. Schedule God in to your busy life. And the truth is, we arrange our schedule around what is important to us anyway. And one of the greatest ways that you communicate that God is a priority is when you begin to schedule your time to be with him. In Exodus, God scheduled time to be with us. Exodus 19, you see it in, in a variety of other places, but Exodus 14, I think, is an example. No, Exodus 19, thank you, is an example of this. He tells Moses, go to the people, consecrate them today and tomorrow, and have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day. He's saying, because on the third day, I got an appointment. I'm coming down to be with you. It wasn't haphazard. It wasn't random. He says, I'm coming. Now, let me say this. A lot of people get tripped up thinking, that your time has to be everybody else's time. It is far more important that you set a time instead of when that time is. If your time is in the morning, let it be in the morning. If your time is at lunch on your lunch break, let that be your time. If it's at night after you put the, the kids to bed or whatever, it doesn't matter when the time is. What matters, though, is that you do have a time. Set an appointment, number one. Here's a big one. Number two, be still and worship so you set the appointment right the way you begin the appointment is that you got to be still before the Lord you don't you don't run in saying I I got I'm here 6 a.m. now let me go over my list all right I got these crazy kids I need this I need this I need this and yep and him too and that no you don't just run in with your list be still and worship him and being still is a part of the act of worship and it's hard it's hard it's hard for many people to be still because we're pulled in so many different directions and even even when you're still sometimes if you're not careful your mind is still running oh I gotta do this today I gotta do that today I gotta go see this person today it's amazing how awkward silence is for some people because we're so used to being busy and being pulled in different directions but but what does he say in psalm 46 he says be, be still be still and know that i am god i love it it suggests that sometimes if you're not still you won't even know that god is god if you're not still long enough in in whatever you need to be still in you will miss the fact that god is there and he's moving God, where are you? I'm, I'm, I'm right here, but you're missing me because you're so busy. Be, shh, be still. When the children of Israel are coming out of Egypt, they get to the Red Sea. Pharaoh's chasing them, and they just start having a fit. I can't believe you, Moses. I can't believe you led us all the way out here to die. What are we going to do, Moses? Come on, Moses. What are we going to do? And Moses is 
freaking out. God, I don't know. I've never been here before. I don't know what's going to happen. God says, uh, just uh, chill. Chill. Here's what you need to go tell the people. And Moses answered the people in verse 13 of Exodus 14. He says, don't be afraid. Stand firm and you'll see the deliverance the Lord is going to bring you today. The Egyptians, you see, you're not going to see them again. The Lord's going to fight for you. You only need to be still. I want you to hear this. Some of you are in God's way. You, you are, your, 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 your default, your default is, is oh, I got to go here. Oh, I got to get into this. Oh, I got to move. Oh, my season is up. Now, shh. Oh, I got to, no, I got to give him a piece of my mind. Oh, I got to handle it this way. Shh. Sometimes you got to learn to talk to yourself. Just shut up. Be still. Some of the most powerful times when you will encounter God is in the stillness. Just be still. Just be still. And out of that stillness, out of that stillness, your next move ought to be worship. See, what am I doing in the stillness? Am I focusing on my prayer list? No, 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 no. In, in, in the stillness, in the stillness, in the stillness, you, you ought to be focused on who he is. That's when you slide into worship. In the stillness, God, I thank you because you are my provider. God, I thank you because, God, you, you said you'd never leave us nor forsake us. God, I... I thank you because you, you, you are Jehovah Nisi. You, you, are, you are my banner. I thank you, God, because you are my righteousness. I thank you. In the stillness, this is what you're focusing on. You are my, you are my peace. You promised that, that, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, that you'd raise up a standard against him. You Thank you, Father. You, you said this is what you focused on in the stillness. You, you don't have to shout it, but this is what you're focused on in the stillness. You said that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. See, that's when you move into worship. Notice we haven't gotten to prayer yet. Oh, I just got to pray. No, no, shh, be still. And worship. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat and the children were in a problem. They were in a bind. Enemies were coming against them. The, 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 the people were freaking out. Jehoshaphat said, God, what do you want us to do? He said, first of all, I need y'all to be still. Call a fast, be still. Don't rush. Don't jump in to this. Let me, let me do it. And then he said, and after this, when you start getting the people together, I want you to put Judah first. And then I want you to march into battle, but I want you to march into battle worshiping. Second Chronicles 20 and 21 says, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Amnon, Moab, and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. As they began to praise, as they began to worship, God started moving. As they began to worship, your neighbor missed it. Go to Acts 13 and verse 2. Go to Acts 13 verse 2. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. I want you to see these passages of Scripture because here's what I want you to notice. They worship. First, then God moves second. They worship first, 
Then God speaks second. God, God did not move. He did not speak until after there was worship. This is why we always start our 6 a.m. time of prayer with worship. This is why we worship first before the word can even go forth. We're, we're super sensitive and time conscious, but, 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 but if, if worship hasn't taken place, it doesn't matter how great the word is, your heart won't be prepared to receive it. Teach, Pastor Van. All right, so since I'm here, let me just say this. This is why there's some, some songs we just don't sing. Uh, okay. There's some songs we don't sing. Some of you grew up on, oh, that's my, that's my jam. I'm coming up, coming up, Jesus. Yeah. On the rough side of the mountain. Woo, that's my jam. Stop. Stop. We don't sing that kind of stuff. Because God never told us that we were coming up the rough side of the mountain. He said, actually, if you speak to the mountain... You can speak to the mountain and say, mountain, be thou removed. Nowhere in his word does he say anything about, I'm just coming up the rough side of the mountain. Lord, help me. No, 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 no. So there's certain worship songs that we sing and certain ones we don't sing. Because what are we doing in that moment? In that moment of worship, before you pray, you're getting your heart in line with God's heart. That's what's happening in that moment of worship. God, I want to get my heart in line with your heart. This is who you are. This is what you said. I remember your word. I'm getting my heart in line with your heart. And when that happens, the third thing that you do is that's when you pray and that's when you read. When, when, when you're still. And when you worship, the presence of God will roll in like a fog. You'll know that he's, that he's with you. That's when you open your mouth and you begin to pray. You can't pray to the king if you don't have an audience with the king. I, 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 okay, uh, my, my wife and I, we love, we, we, we love Game of Thrones. We, we're big Game of Thrones fans. And, and, and when someone would come into the presence of the king or the queen... That's when they would make their request. They, they have to get into the presence first. Then they make their request second. Be still and worship because you want the presence of God to roll in. Because when the presence rolls in, that's when, that's when you say, now, Lord, now that my heart is in line with yours, let me make my request known. Huh. What I pray for, whatever God puts on your heart. I could spend all year talking about the different ways that you ought to pray. On our website, there's a whole prayer guide that's for free. Download it. It will really bless you in your time. But I just want you to understand when you pray. And when you pray, number three, when you pray and read, you do that. You don't just pray, but you also read, meaning spend time. You pray, pray, yeah, pray, pray, pray. I need this, God. I'm, 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 I'm really, really seeking direction about this. Yes, pray. But then read. Spend some time right here reading the Word. Spend some time reading the Word because the promises and the peace will flood your heart. The Word is active. It's living and breathing. Jesus is the Word made flesh. So, so you got to pray, but then, but then read, but then read. 
There are scriptures in the outline that I won't go over for the sake of time. And I just want to give you this last thing. And then listen and write. Prayer is not just a monologue. It is not a one-way conversation. It's a dialogue. So when you pray and when you read, please know God wants to speak to you. He wants to say something to you. This is why on our website, we have a reading plan. Some of you are already thinking, okay, well, I haven't read the Bible much this year. What do I get started? Go to our website. Go to our app. There's a reading plan. Just jump right in. All right, August 6th, August 7th, jump right in. But then as you're reading, listen. As you're praying, listen. And as you listen, write. On our website, I teach you about how we do our SOAP devotional method. SOAP is an acronym, scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Because here's what's going to happen. When, when you pray and read, Holy Spirit's going to grab your heart. And there may be a verse or two verses, or you may even hear something, and, and God wants you to write it down. Write it down. That's one of the greatest ways to focus on what God is saying. In Psalm 45 and verse 1, this is David who wrote the majority of the Psalms. And where did these Psalms come from? They came out of his time with the Lord. He says, my heart burst its banks. He, he's literally saying that as I was in the presence of the Lord, as I was still and as I worshiped, man, my heart was so full. My heart burst its banks, spilling beauty and goodness. And what did he do with it? He says, I pour it out in a poem to the king. That's the Psalms. Shaping the river into words. The river of just God's goodness and God's favor and God's presence that David was in. He says, and then I shaped it into words. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. I brought this to show it to you because when you do your soap devotion, we, we, we teach you on the website about journaling. Write it down. This is my journal. I have tons of these in my office at home. This is my journal from 2010. Seven years ago. And I don't know if, if, if the other campuses can see this, if, if uh media team can zoom in, but it's just page after page after page after page of what God said to me. Just, just all it is. What God said to me, page after page after page, every day in my prayer time, every day in my time with the Lord, day after day. It's just page after page after page after. I mean, it's just the whole book. And when I run out of this, I go and get another one and I start over. See, when you know what he said, when the storms come and the winds blow, you're anchored. When you know what he said, when you know what he said, when, when people call you everything but a child of God, you're okay because you know what he said. When all hell breaks loose and you're wondering, God, did I miss you? No, I didn't miss you because I know what you said. And I didn't just hear it and say, oh, that was a great experience. I got the evidence. I wrote it down. Listen and write. And one of the greatest things that I love about these, this is seven years old, but I still hold on to these because I go back periodically and I look at what I was praying for I got my prayer list on the front and I have the date that I prayed it started asking God for it and I have the date that he answered it and it reminds me that just as he did it then guess what he'll do it today 
We hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Van Moody. For more information about Van Moody Ministries, please visit vanmoody.org. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed week.